CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple of Arslings, The Last Kingdom Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I am Melissa Fixie. We are writers for Sci-Fi Wires fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in Season 3, so we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. Jessica, hello! <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, um, I know, okay, so guys, like, here's the deal. We decided to, like, start off these these episodes, these podcasts, with just, like, a little bit of small talk, just to kind of, like, ease us in, because we're dealing with some heavy stuff, like, Vikings killing each other, and political betrayals, and, like, we don't want to just throw everyone into the deep end. Mm. That being said, <laughs> we do not have interesting lives. Hey, I <laughs> and, mean, you're right. It's fine. <laughs> like, I think we should be upfront and honest about that. We're not the coolest of people. And also, like, our our time is being so consumed by this show at the moment that, like, we're not even plugged into, like, you know, just everyday things that other people are talking about. Because all so we're our, talking about is Uhtred and his adventures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Finn and Uhtred and, you know, haircuts and, like, the important things, the right. things that matter in life. Right. But, yeah, so I feel like we should just start like putting random words into a hat and like draw, you know, like drawing out a piece of paper and be like, okay, let's riff on this for like five minutes. <laughs> because I mean, trying to come up with our idea. small talk. I know because trying to come up with our small talk is making me like feel really depressed about like myself well, and how not plugged in I am. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it might be the, one of the hardest parts of this is coming up what, or is like figuring out what to do for, small talk and so i'm just gonna dive into it and tell you a little bit about my day because (laughs) it was a lot um it was a lot so we're recording this at you know late in the evening we were supposed to record this morning but i was smacked down by the hand of mercury in retrograde yet again Mm. and i took my car in to get a oil change and i thought it was going to be like half an hour i made an appointment ahead of time it's going to be 40 bucks in and out well i get there and i've been sitting in the waiting room for a while and the the mechanic comes in and he's like i need to show you some stuff and i was like oh no that's like (laughs) That's the mechanic version of, like, we need to talk. Right. 100%. <laughs> like, the tests came back and they're not good. <laughs> and so what I really appreciated, though, is I feel like it's it's hard to bring our car in as a woman because they can because pe- men can be very patronizing, especially if you're mm-hmm. a young woman. But these guys were actually really nice. They, like, walked me through everything and, like, showed me each specific part that needed to be replaced. And so I appreciated that. What I did not appreciate was that it ended up costing me $485 to replace Jesus. my brake pads and my belt when I thought it was going to be like 40 So it was just, it was a day. And <sighs> I'm so grateful to have a car that works. And I'm glad that it was like found like this and not, you know, breaking down on the highway when I drive to Atlanta tomorrow. But like, 
I did not Come expect on. it. It was not ideal. <laughs> Come on, universe. Come on. Yeah, no. I, I feel like car, it's such a, like, so I've, I've been on both sides. I lived in New York for like five years mm-hmm. and took, you know, public transportation. Right. Now I live down south. And so, of course, you have to have a car. There's, you know, benefits and like cons to both. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like so you have the freedom when you have a car, like you have the freedom to go wherever you want, whenever you want. You're not waiting on schedules like bus schedules or subway schedules. You're not like crowded into a subway car with other people. It's it's your own thing. But then it's also up to you to like pay all this extra money it's so much more expensive it's hard to like know which is better but i will say that i so i bought like a new car when i came down here and i got a jeep and like that thing has been so reliable so good i think there are brands of cars that are better than others obviously and i feel like i picked a good one because i haven't had many problems that being said i did I have a horror story. Yes. Um, because every car owner has a horror story. Everyone. And it involved, it was, it involved almost missing. And Alyssa, you know that this is terrifying for me. It involved almost missing, missing opening night of Hustlers. No. With J-Lo. No. Yeah, because I had a nail in my tire and my tire was going flat on the road. No. And so it's pouring rain. It's actually cold outside, which was weird because it's like middle of summer, basically, and it's been so hot down here. But it was pouring rain. I was already late. Like, the previews were playing. That's how late I was. Yeah. And so I had to pull into a Walmart, which is like <clears throat> my worst nightmare. I get anxiety attacks just walking into a Walmart. It's too many people. It's too it's many too people. Much. Too many people, too, too much. much stuff. It's a sensory overload. Um, like, no offense to the people that go to Walmart. I just can't deal with it. Yeah. And uh, I had to get that, like you know, the air in a can or like, it's like a tape. And I don't know. I called my dad. I'm not like too (laughs) like um, feminist to admit that I needed my dad's help. Right. And I'm just sitting there in the rain, like trying to patch up this tire so I could go see JLo on a pole. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she made it worth your while if you made it. It was worth it. Right. It was worth it. Oh man. But it was terrifying. So like, yeah, I get it. I think, God, cars are so difficult. And I wish... The one thing I wish, like, in school was that someone told me, would have told me, like, don't take that home economics class. Go take that shop class. Yeah. Where you can learn about cars. Yeah. I really, I really feel like there should be, like, a practical life skills class taught in school to, like, all right, here's how you do your taxes. Here's how you change a tire. Like, practical Mm -hmm. things that sometimes your parents teach you, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you just have to kind of figure it out. And you know what? Like, we can take one less math class. I don't know. I just, I feel like that's a real detriment Look, to modern education. am I ever going to use, like, Algebra 2 in my everyday life? Literally never. I'm in some kind of mathematics field? Literally no. never. How often will I need to know how to write a check? Pretty damn often. Okay? Right. <laughs> like, right. Just it's just I think there's a changing like of the generations and like so we don't need these classes like like intro to computers like mm-hmm. kids we don't know. need that right we know there are <clears throat> things that we're kind of we've kind of outgrown they're outdated and we don't know and that's what we need like to be taught so this is like <laughs> this is spiraled yeah, into a criticism of our education system <laughs> you know what it's fine we didn't know what we were going to talk about so we're just going with it. But here it is. You know what? We're saying <laughs> fuck it and uh, get your act together, yeah. United States education system, because I should know how to patch a tire. Right. And I didn't. There you go. 
All right. I think that's fine. I think we Look, I think we did our part. I think we nailed it. <laughs> you guys should be nice and warmed up. Um, <laughs> Ready so to talk about betrayal. It. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, episode five, season three. Yeah. We're halfway through, um, and shit is going down. Yeah, it's really, this one kind of starts, like, right away. You know, I mean, there's the rumor that Alfred is dead sort of spreading through the Danish camp, and Brita's super stoked about that because she thinks Alfred's a turd. She's made that super clear. And so she goes looking for Ragnar, and instead of finding, you know— handsome virile ragnar ready to share in her joy he is dead in his bed without his sword ragnar ragnar's the only man amongst you is dead who did this cowards all of you it is the worst it's an ice cold slap of reality um she was bringing him like pancakes in bed with this news of Great Alfred news. possibly shitting himself. Her reaction to it is very it 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 broke me. I mean, literally, my body is in half, my heart is crushed. Like Brita is just so kind of overwhelmed with her grief and kind of unbelieving. I think too. I think it's that like it's she's very sad. She's like practical enough to realize like he's dead, mm-hmm. but she's also can't believe that he died this way. That's what makes it. So unbearable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, having Ragnar die without his sword in his bed, it's just, it's such a <sighs> dishonorable way to die. And it's not how he lived, you know? Like, that's not mm-hmm. the death that he deserved. He deserved a death on the battlefield as an old man with his sword in hand, you know, ready to fight his way into Valhalla. And yeah, it's really sad and nobody else is very upset about it. Like, Knut is super ready to move on and assume leadership with blood hair. And blood hair actually accuses Brita of being the one to kill him, which is absurd. God, okay, this dude. It's like, you're willing to risk it all to, like, bang a white girl with dreads. Like, you're the one who's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs here, not Brita. Okay, just because she shows emotion. Emotion, of lover course. who is dead. Like, come on. Anytime a woman shows just a hint of emotion, like that word crazy comes out. And of course, it's followed by bitch because he's just an asshole. Right. Like, like you kill horses and you women like horses. on the reg. Okay. <laughs> You're the crazy one. <laughs> right. Yeah. I kind of wonder, you know, nobody suspects Athelwald is the one who did it. Like, nobody looked around that camp. Why would you? Right, why would you? So I wonder if he sort of sees that as a good thing since they don't know, or if it's kind of a blow to his pride in a way, you know, that nobody thought that he would be the one to do it. I think he's, like, skeezy enough to be like, ha, ha, ha. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, they don't know that it was me. They never suspect it was me. And I did this. Like, I think he's probably pretty pleased with himself at this point. I feel like maybe the longer this goes on and the the more divisive this camp becomes, Mm -hmm. because you know that Canoe and Bloodhair and Heston are not going to all get along and, like, decide, yeah, just one of us will lead. Yeah. I think that's when he'll start showing, like, hey, I actually did all of this, so it should be, you know what I mean? I feel like that's when his ego will get the better of him a little bit. Mm -hmm. But right now, he seems, I mean, just the way he reacts and interacts with Brita after it's all said and done, like, you know, saying what a great man Ragnar was and, like, offering his condolences, it's just so kind of self-satisfying like he's just so pleased with himself and yeah i just cannot stand him and so you know 
of course, everyone, no one knows who did it. They they assume that it's the woman that Ragnar was with that night who, you know, killed him and then he even killed though, her. Even though that just, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like, no sense. That, like, the blade in her belly was obviously put there by somebody else. So, like, did she stab the ever-loving shit out of Ragnar? He stabs her and then he falls back into his bloody bed? No, it doesn't make any sense. Look, we need an episode of Bones yes. to investigate the case. Bones, Sherlock, <laughs> Hannibal, like somebody Something. come and um, like look at this murder scene because medieval it's not, CSI. Right, it's not <laughs> adding up. Um, um, yeah, yeah, it's awful. It's awful. So, Brita's left kind of trying to figure out who who did it. And I hate it when Brita she- is left on her own without anybody at her back. Like she needs. The buddy system. Somebody needs to look out for her. Like, yes, she can handle it, but I I like it when she doesn't have to. You know what I mean? I know. I know. Well, unfortunately, you know, Uhtred, who probably would have her back, is off at Ethel Flood's estate. Flirting in a barn again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, something about those stables, girl. You tell me, Alyssa. <laughs> Uh, I guess horses get people to listen. I I like that the mythology of my being a horse girl has really like woven itself into almost every episode of this podcast because I have not ridden a horse since I was 13 years old. I just assume you're like Kendall Jenner over here, like just going to the riding, you know, yeah, the riding I houses. Wish. I, I don't know the what the riding term is. houses you mean a stable? What is it? stable? <laughs> the. the, the Horses? Yeah. Not not in a long time. But yes, once a horse girl, always a horse girl. Always a horse girl. And And you can escape them in the show. Athelflaed is definitely a horse girl. Like, she likes to corner Uhtred in a barn. Um, Like, you know, he starts explaining, you know, how you win your men's trust and expect them to follow. And that it's not a game. It's how you live your life and all this stuff. And Athelflaed finds his sense of honor real sexy, so she's, like, all up in his face again, almost kissing, not quite, which I mm, don't hot. hate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she definitely shoots her shot. She's um, DTF, like, full on. She's ready to go. For sure. And, of course, you know, Uhtred is... Okay, so Uhtred may have started off, this, like, this series that's like a horn dog, Right. But he has really matured into a very honorable man. Right. And he knows, like... He tells her this. He's like, I, you know, I would definitely enjoy getting down with you, but I would also like immediately regret it, which has to sting to hear. But it also makes total sense because, you know, this is just another instance of Ethelflaed choosing a man that she cannot be with. Right. And at the same time, they're also in very different parts of their like grieving process. Like Eric died Mm -hmm. about five years ago. Cannot speak. But Gisela died pretty recently. So yeah, it's fresh. It's still a fresh wound there. So he's not quite as ready. He hasn't had the time that Athelflaed has to sort of grieve and move on. So it's just well, not the time. Here's my thing, though. And I it's something that I wish she would have kind of said um, more clearly for him. Mm. It's it's obvious to me that Athelflaed is not looking for a life partner right now. Right. Like, she just wants a side piece, and I feel like Uhtred and his dirtbag undercut just, like, Fits screams, no string attached. Right. <laughs> She's like, not looking not for looking a new for- husband, Uhtred. Let's be real. <laughs> Let's just bone in this stable. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's, so, but- she's had that hot goss with Gisela. <laughs> she knows he's good at what he does, and she wants mm. a piece, but it's not not the time. 
Cannot blame the girl. He brings up Skade, and the sexual <laughs> tension is gone. She's still ruining his life, and in more ways than one. So yeah, um, Adelflaed's heading out to go meet up with her dad and with her husband, neither of whom really have her best interest at heart, but especially not her husband, who's trying to kill her. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, she's going to ride out Heston, who also wants to kill her. God, she's such a queen. She quickly pivots from this kind of like rejection, um, you know, in their in their personal relationship mm-hmm. to be like, Utrid, like I can offer you a way to end all of this yeah. you know you, you your main concern right now is dealing with skade i get it here's how you do it use Come his with armor me to see my dad yeah, yeah. use the army use recover his army exactly like you take out heston which is good for my dad right and then you get skade which is good for you mm-hmm. and maybe all of this can be resolved and um I mean, it's not a bad plan. Yeah, it's not. She's really, I'm just, I'm so proud of the woman that Athelflaed has grown to be. She's, <laughs> she's so good at, she's so good at like the tactical stuff and making honorable choices, but also politically advantageous ones, which is a really tough line to walk. My father will forgive you and you will lead his men against Beamfleon. I do not want his forgiveness. Then use his army, use his men. And recover skate. They go to Alfred's. Or no. They don't go to Alfred's yet, do they? No. Brita's got to show up first. Yes. Brita comes first. Um, I it's uh, I can't believe I forgot this because it was so sad. It, is, it was so sad. It's Maybe really that's sad. why. I just blocked, blocked this part out yeah, because it's too, too painful. Brita rides up and, you know, basically kind of drags Uhtred through the mud, tells him that Ragnar's dead. It's all his fault. Yeah. He didn't go to Valhalla. Also, he didn't die with honor. Also, she buried Ragnar in a very shallow grave. Mm-hmm. Rewatching that, I'm like, bury him deeper than that. The animals are going to find him. <laughs> Please. We we have some, like, very dark thoughts. Listen. <laughs> He's buried but by... But you know what? We've seen enough. Right. He's buried by a water source. The animals are going to find him. Yeah. But yeah. So, um... It's really I'm hoping, sad. like, maybe she's going to come back to... I don't know. That can't be his final resting place. No. Like, why is he being buried? He should be burned. Well, he's not in Valhalla, so he can't. She goes to Uhtred. It's all very upsetting. She, you know, she tells him there was no honor in his death and that wasn't what he deserved and you were his brother and it's all bullshit. And she basically blames him. You know, you weren't there. You left him and he died. So it's your fault. This is on you. It's hard. I mean, I can't fault her for her anger and her her sense of betrayal. You know, I don't think that Uhtred... I don't know if Uhtred would have been able to prevent Ragnar's death. He probably wouldn't, but I think she's just lashing out on at him as an easy target at this point. Look, and if she needs to use Uhtred as her punching bag, then that's what she gets to do Mm -hmm. because I won't deny Brita anything. And she's been through a lot. It hits Uhtred pretty hard. Yeah. And so, you know, he obviously is looking for someone to blame as well. And he blames Skade. And shockingly, I thought this was like really interesting. It's it's Finnan who kind of comes up and speaks some sense into him saying like, man, that's just life. Like death, death comes for all of us, you know, especially when we're living in these medieval times, this ninth century <laughs> life, bro. You know, it's not the best. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, Uhtred doesn't listen to that. Obviously, he's kind of got 
his blinders on and he wants to blame Skade for all of his problems. But that felt like a really nice kind of way to remind him, like, and to remind us that, yes, like, we're making Skade out to be the main villain and she is a bad guy and she needs to be dealt with. But a lot of these things that are happening are, you know, consequences of choices that have been made by Uhtred and by other people. It's not necessarily you know, some mystical curse yeah. that's just fallen over the land. Yeah, I think I think the the way that they're sort of vacillating in how much power they give Skade's curse is really telling. Like if there's an answer, like an easy answer to something, oh, this this curse doesn't have a lot of weight. But if there's not a reason for something, they're like, all right, curse is here. We got to take rid of it. <laughs> The curse is back, y'all. Right. So I think you're right. Like, it shows a lot of growth and a lot of sensibility on Finnan's part for him to sort of point out that that's just life when you're at war. So, but that doesn't make it any easier. And Skate no, is an easy sure. person to dislike and blame because she's super gross. And I think her interplay with Heston is just really gross. And they kind of deserve each other. Okay. So I wanted to just say, okay, yeah, their whole interaction is disgusting. Yeah. But every time. Props. Props to Skate because Heston is such a pig. Yeah. He would be happy to kind of just rape her and be done with it. Ugh. And she kind of knows that. And so she manages him in a really gross, you know, disgusting way. But she does manage him and, you I know, teases like, you know, I'll give you my power once you earn me. I'm hoping give you my power is like medieval slang for like, I'm going to give you a really nasty STD or something. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know. I I respected that she was able to kind of control him a little bit. Well, I think that's um, kind of her real power, right? Is her her ability to sort of manage these men that come to claim her, because they yeah. they always start you know being in the position of power, and she manages to flip that dynamic. So while yeah. I'm not a Skade fan, I do appreciate that aspect of her character and sort of the dynamic that she brings to the show. Because I, it is interesting for me to see how she manages to sort of subvert expectations, especially the expectations of these men who think that they'll be able to just claim her and own her and whatever. And she always gets the upper hand. Yeah. I mean, you got to respect that game, especially in, in medieval times when it's like we see we see other women that are doing well. And it's women like Ethel Flood, who is kind of propped up and made to be this like. But she's you know, also coming she from is. a position of a lot of privilege, too. Like, she's the queen, That's the true. king's daughter, so obviously people are going to be more willing to listen to her. And we don't know anything about Skate's background, but I'm assuming she's not a princess. So she's had to sort of claw her way to the top with what she's got. And so I respect it. I don't like her, but I respect it. So that's the side, of, the side of a good villain, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Uh. Um, she can she can go ahead and like just keep getting down with uh, Heston. Athelflaed and Uhtred are riding into Alfred's camp. Yeah, Athelred is obviously kind of squirming, not happy he, to see his wife. Yeah, really unhappy to see her alive and to see her with Uhtred. Um, it terrifies him, mm-hmm. and of course, Ethelflaed, just the queen that she is, is 
rides up and, and is like, you know, I want to talk to my dad. And he's like, well, why can't you say whatever you have to say to your husband? And mm. she she comes back with, I wish to talk of treachery and traitors. And I'm just like, oh, that's how I hope to, like, open a dinner toast one day. <laughs> like, can you imagine the drama of it? Like, to treachery and traitors and have everyone just suspect everyone else of something. <laughs> yeah, I think using to treachery and traitors is a really great new gender neutral way to start a conversation with your with your friends so i think so as well yeah let's do it mix it up you guys yeah i (laughs) your next dinner party (laughs) thank you for coming to treachery and traitors (laughs) um yeah i love seeing her like roll up and give athor the business right away and like demand to see her dad and i love like how well she fits in with the cookum crew Mm-hmm. And she just she fits in with this little band of outlaws so well, and I love to see it. She's a rebel at heart. She I is. Think that's why she gets along with them. She is. She is. She's not afraid to fight. She's not afraid to demand what she wants. It's all a great combination. Um, but yeah, like you said, Athelred is super nervous. He's nervous that Athelflaed got away. She's ner- he's nervous that she found Uhtred, and he's pretty sure that she knew that he was trying to kill her. Which yeah, she was. Again, okay, if you're going to scheme to kill someone, like, man up, own up to it. Mm. Like, if you're going to be evil, just be evil. Like, if you have made this plan, you should kind of prepare yourself in case people find out, in case it doesn't go well. Like, I don't understand this lack of planning on the bad guy's part in this show. (laughs) Like, you know, Ethelred seems very surprised that his wife would find out and that she wasn't killed Mm -hmm. and that Uhtred would come save her. Like... Come on, dude. I think there's a lot of desperation in everybody's plan on this show. Like, it's such a brutal time to be alive, and there's so much changing leadership that I think a lot of plans are made on the fly. But, um, yeah, I think Athelred is really... He's not paying attention to what's right in front of him, which is that Aldhelm is super sick of his shit, and he, like, stuck his neck out to help Athelflaed. God, every time Ethelred, like, complains about Ethelfled or is, you know, worried about, like, oh, what is she doing now? You can just see Edhelm just, like, inwardly rolling his eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's gotten to be too much for the dude. And I'm just waiting for him to, like, stab Ethelred in the back. I would totally cheer that on. 100%. Um, yeah, so they roll up and there's an approximation to a Witten, which is almost a Witten, hey. but not quite. Um, and yeah, so they go in expecting to see Alfred to make their case, but he's not there, Edward is. Which, in a way, is a good thing because Edward is definitely more open to their cause, but in most ways is a bad thing because Edward really has no power here. Yeah, Ethelred has taken up that throne chair, looks pretty comfortable in it, and he's making all kinds of accusations to hide his own, you know, treason. Mm -hmm. Kind of implying, he has his men imply that Uhtred might be a spy, that he might have organized this whole thing with Heston, trying to get Ethelfled. You know, all of these just, like, off-the-wall theories that, of course, you know, Ethel Ethelfled and um, Edward are like, why would he do that? That makes no sense. And it's kind of, I feel like, even though Alfred is in, my, in no way Uhtred's savior at this point, I feel like it is a good thing that he eventually turns up to this Witten because mm-hmm. it could have, like, really, it could have gone downhill fast yeah. if it had been all up to Ethelred. Yeah, and, you know, Alfred, I just, Alfred gets so close sometimes to really understanding Uhtred 
but he always pulls back at the last minute. So you can almost tell that he's like thinking about listening to him and in a way he's glad that he's back because he does know, even if he'll never admit it, Uhtred is really integral to his king building. And, you know, Uhtred tells them that they need to draw out Heston and they need to get rid of Heston or, you know, the Danes are going to come and they're going to be bigger than ever. Like, Canute and Bloodhair will eventually meet up with him, and they'll be this big, unstoppable army. So they need to draw Hesta out of Bamfleot, and they need to get rid of him once and for all. Alfred, of course, has to remind him, you're an outlaw, so I'm not going to listen to you. And he doesn't think that this is a good plan because he doesn't want to waste any men. But he doesn't He doesn't quite grasp that they're not going to survive a giant battle, so they need to pick a smaller one in order to prevent the bigger one. Yeah, I think this is a case of, you know, Alfred Alfred has done well with every other big meeting between, you know, his army and the Danes. Mm-hmm. Um and he feels like it's I feel like it's a little bit he's a little too comfortable. Yeah. And you know, he's been here before, he thinks he knows how to handle it, but he doesn't have Uhtred. He's got different warlords that are banding together that's never happened before. I mean, it's just not the same and he can't see that. And so, you know, it's 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 not surprising that he denies Uhtred's request to, to you know, take a thousand men and, and go confront Heston and hopefully cut off, a, you know, an arm of this army. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best move. I mean, the dude is like a walking corpse at this point, so I don't think, like, expending more energy arguing yeah. with Uhtred is, like, the right choice. Like, just give him the men and go lay down. Take a nap. <laughs> Please. You can barely get on your horse right now, Alfred. You're not ready to lead an army. <laughs> The chainmail is too heavy for you, and that's without like the the headpiece right. that you have to put on. Right. Like, so sit down. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go well. Edward knows that it doesn't go well, and he kind of goes behind his dad's back in a way because he wants to talk to Uhtred for real and give him hope. So he goes to Bayaka and Father Pierleg, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna take you to Uhtred, but we're gonna do this in clear in clear sight because it doesn't want to. We don't want it to look like you're sneaking around." So, yeah, he, like, goes to hang out with his sister, who's hanging out with a Kokum crew. It's all really cute. He calls her my sister, the outlaw. It's nice. Adorable. And, you know, through this interaction, you can see that Edward really trusts Uhtred. But he barely knows, like, what kinds of questions he needs to be asking. So, mm-hmm. in a way, he's, like, making taking this step and making a decision to see Uhtred's value, which is great and, a, you know, a good sign of what kind of king he's going to be. But then everything else is just a sign that he's not ready, like, at all. Draw Heston out of the fort. Our army will be hidden in the woods waiting. You have my word. Yeah, so I feel like with Edward, he he has good instincts, mm-hmm. right? Like, he knows that Uhtred is a trustworthy dude. He's he's proven that. And he's not too kind of prideful to see it like Alfred is. Right. Um, and he also, he he is someone who's capable of a little bit of self-reflection. He knows that he's not ready to be a king. And he's certainly not ready to deal with the fallout of this great battle between, you know, the Saxons and the Danes. He knows that his dad is too sick to really lead them into a victory. Like, it's not going to end well. And right. I think, so I think those instincts are spot on. I think... He really relies on other men like Bioka and Peerling and, and Uhtred to fill in the, the blanks and, like, actually form a battle plan. He knows who to trust. Yeah, he knows who to trust. That's really, that's like 50% of being a, a good king is, like, knowing who to trust and who to back. You know what I mean? So, I feel like he's on a 
on on his way. Yeah. <laughs> also on <laughs> hope for the baby. Yeah, he'll get there maybe if he lives long <laughs> enough. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so he's kind of you know stepping up and also stepping up to those who are threatening her is Athelfled. I yeah. I love the scene with her and Athelred. And where he's being a bitch and she stabs the table and threatens him and it's really great. Oh my god, that knife play. Yeah. Ugh, just effortless. Like she's able to really put him on a on his back foot and and threaten him without threatening him. It's just so it's such a fun scene. I have to think that they had a great time shooting it because oh, yeah. there's so many slide digs and there's yeah, it's all the just backhanded. So juicy. Yes. Everything is ugh, I love it. Um, but yeah, you know, she lets him know what she's doing. She's like, all right, I've assigned Uta to my guard and I'm going to ride out with you and my dad and you're not going to kill me. And she points out that, shockingly, he didn't seem surprised or concerned with the information mm. that Heston tried to kill her. And wouldn't you know it, Athel runs a shit about that, too. Yeah, so... Okay, you know, props to like Toby Regbo. He I know you does love such him. a good job it's of playing. Okay. He does such a good job <laughs> of playing this like shitty character. Um, and I hate hate Ethelred, but I do I like seeing the sparring between him and Ethelred because I feel so like compelling. This is a woman that is like so high above him. He's not. He's no match for her. Um, and so he has to kind of resort to physical intimidation mm-hmm. um to kind of wield this power over her and that's honestly that's not gonna long last long either bro because stiapa taught her how to fight like yeah he did if she if she had to scrap like she could scrap you know what i mean oh 100 she could beat him in a fight i totally yeah. believe that so yeah they're doing their dance of the fucked up marriage and edward <laughs> gets in trouble with his dad and, you know, he kind of attempts to stand up to his father, but Alfred really, like, beats him down. And God, it was hard to watch. It was so abusive. It's really just, it's really upsetting. <laughs> A lot of the interactions in this episode were upsetting. Um, and I, you know, it was interesting to me because at one point Alfred tells him, you should have approached me. But at the same time, you know, every single time that Edward has come to him with anything... He's refused to listen. All he's done is point out what he's doing wrong. So, like, he doesn't have that level of trust with Edward that he would approach him with anything. I don't understand Mm. why he thinks that he's earned that. Look, it's weird, like, because I feel like everything that Alfred is trying to teach Edward, which is to man up, to take responsibility, to make your own decisions, Mm -hmm. it's what he gets pissed at him for when he actually does it. You know, it's like, this is... Edward has made a decision. He's chosen a side. He comes to tell his dad about it. And mm-hmm. Al- Alfred is so upset that he didn't ask him or consult him first. But that's not what a king would do. A king would just make the decision right. and commit to it. And so I think it's an interesting... It starts off pretty pretty bad. I, I think Alfred is, is so tough on Edward and kind of implies that he might never be ready to be king. And it, there's just like a lot of resentment and disappointment between them. Right. But... It's interesting when he leaves, he dismisses Edward. He kind of has this moment with Bioka where he's he's like, should I, is it right to be so angry and also like kind of proud? Sure. And that's what it's like, not just to raise like a king, but to raise kids, you know, like where they're meant to challenge you and maybe like buck your authority and figure things out for themselves. And that's what Edward is doing. I just think it probably doesn't help that he's doing it with Uhtred. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think the biggest sticking point for Alfred is that he's doing it with Uhtred and not with him. So, right. But he gave Uhtred his word, and he's not going to make Edward break it. So they are going to send the men with Uhtred, like Edward promised. Um, they are going to go, and they're going to follow him to Heston's. So they're marching to Bamfleot. They send the scout to Heston, tell him that they're coming, and it's... It's on. I am no coward, Dade Slayer. If death is what you want, then you shall have it. It is so on. So Uhtred kind of rides up with his Kukum crew. Finan's over here, like, sitting on a shield, like a cocky little shit. While Uhtred kind of just, like, insults the hell out of Heston, saying, like, you know, you're going to be remembered as a coward. It's so easy to goad Heston. It's what a child. It's so easy to goad him into anger. Men, I mean, they have, I guess they have such long periods of, like, inactivity. Like, they're not, they don't have a lot to do in these times. They're always so, like, ready nursing, for a fight. Yeah, nursing grudges and, like, building up your own eagles, like, ego is basically all you have. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's so easy to, to manipulate Heston and, and basically call him a coward. And, of course, you know, we're going to have um songs written about how you know scared shitless you were of Uhtred and his like crew of 30 men and yeah I I kind of appreciated in all of this so Alexander Draymond who plays Uhtred has a very like interesting accent he I'd love to hear him talk yeah but I feel like this part where he's like kind of insulting um Heston like really made me see that he could have such a great career as like a late in life like audiobook narrator. Oh, like, I would listen to him read a book all day. Yeah, I feel like that's something he should explore should acting, you know, start to bore him <laughs> because <laughs> it's just so fun to listen to him like goad goad Heston on in this scene. Yeah. Um and it works and it works maybe a little too well. Yeah, so they sort of run to this freezing field. It seems pretty miserable. It takes Heston like half a day to catch up with them. They're starting to wonder if he's even going to come. There's this really funny moment where um, Finnan says maybe he's afraid of the priest. And you see Osford's <laughs> little smile. I just I love the interplay between this group because you can tell that there's just such an established relationship there between all of them. And I I love to see it. Yeah, but it also terrifies me. I know. I get so attached. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, Jessica, don't do this. Like, you know better. You've seen these shows before. You've Everybody's going to die. It's fine. Don't give your heart away like this. I know. But I can't help it. I love <laughs> them all. I love them all. Um, but yeah, so Heston's army does show up. They completely surround this small group. And it's real bad. Um, Alfred. This is the, the most scared I've been yes. when it comes to, like, a battle. Yes, because it's awful because Alfred and his army, they're there. They're, like, a stone's throw away, but they're keeping back in the woods, and he's not going to help him. He brought him all the way out here, and he's going to make Edward make the call. And right. it's a very violent lesson to teach him yes yeah so you know they surround uh Uhtred and and his men and and that battle like gets underway it's not like we're just kind of in a tent standoff waiting for edward to decide like they're fighting for their lives there are moments where it's like you know citric or osforth like they get into some scraps you're not sure like it's pretty scary yeah and meanwhile alfred's over here up on his horse like you know we're gonna wait we're gonna wait we're gonna what wait. are you gonna do about it boy yeah. like and so a, p- a part of me is like he's getting 
he's he's getting a lot of satisfaction um of knowing that he's the one that could save Uhtred this time. Yeah. You know, like it's always been the other way around. So there's that. But I think a big part of this was, you know, let's see, like Edward made this decision. He was man enough to kind of commit himself. Let's see what he does with this, because I'm not going to be around much longer. This chain mail is already like weighing me down into the grave. Let's see like what he can do. And that's kind of where we end. Yeah. Let's- it's a real, Ugh, it's a real scary nerves. cut to black, and I've never been more thankful that this is a streaming show and not a week to week because Thank it would be God. devastating to have to wait a week. I couldn't deal with it. It'd be awful. That cliffhanger, it's it's terrible. Um, I have a lot of faith in Edward, but I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's still a boy. He's so young so. and so green. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. time for our next episode wishes this is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes like the spoiled toddlers that we are here's what we want to see when we want to see it and why we won't be denied Alyssa, i i mean i think i feel like we have to want the same thing which is to find out what the hell happens next. yeah like alfred allowing this many men to die as an object lesson to teach his son to man up is a really bad look so i'm hoping that edward like really steps it up like he's so green and he has so much to learn So this decision and the subsequent battle, you know, if he makes the right choice, um, could make or break him. Um, I mostly want someone, though, just like anyone, to do right by Uhtred. Like, he's broken with the Danes and gotten news of his brother's death, so he's feeling super adrift right now. And I just want someone in a position of power to sort of reach out to him and be like, hey, buddy, you're great. Let me let me help you make some good. <laughs> let me help some good things happen for you. And I and like write him a little like a little love note. Right. Like you're doing good, buddy. You're doing your best. <laughs> and I know that won't happen. But if anybody deserves like a little help in this moment, it's Uhtred. So yeah, Edward, come on, step it up. Come on, Edward. Yeah, I feel like you know it's it's Alfred's reliable in his decision making at this point. It, he's. He's doing the smart thing, which is seeing if Uhtred and Heston can kind of destroy each other. It's not going to happen. Heston is like has so outnumbered Uhtred. It's going to be a slaughter. Yeah. Um. And I think that Alfred is fine seeing that, too, because he's so he's got this kind of petty, you know, grudge against Uhtred. So he's he's going to do what's good for him. Mm-hmm. I think what's up in the air is what Alf, what what Edward will do. I think he's you know, he's he's got that that promise and he's he's pretty committed to the kind of person he wants to be. I think he feels 
a sense of duty towards Uhtred. This is someone who's, like, helped raise him, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to see him usurp his dad's authority for once and become a damn man. Yeah. And I'd really like to see Uhtred kind of cut that beard jewelry off Heston's smug face. But, you know, one thing at a time, I guess. One thing at a time, but I feel like they can get those two things done. Like, yeah, just these I mean, two, just two little things. Two small things before the series is done, that's all I ask. So, The Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Jessica, who was your arsling this episode? So, I'm going to have to give Edward um, a, a much-deserved shout-out this episode. Mm. I think... He made a bad first impression. Yeah. Um, you know, not going to lie. I, like, pining over pregnant girlfriends and, mm. you know, whining about the burden of being king. Like, not a good look. But he stepped up to the plate this episode. He stuck his neck out for Uhtred. Uh, he stood up to his dad. He bonded with his sister. Um, And I think you get the sense by the end of the episode that he's kind of come into his own a bit. And I appreciate that. Like, he's young and inexperienced, but he's got a lot of passion. And um, I think that... That's promising. You know, I'd much rather have that than Alfred at this point. So, yeah, I get it. Um, I'm going to go with Alfred's other offspring and go with Athelfled. Um, This season, she's just, like I said earlier, like she's just coming to her own so beautifully as a woman and as a leader. And this episode is like, it's a prime example of how far she's come. Like, she's sticking by Uhtred's side. She's standing up to her dad. Alfred or Alfred just must be having a really hard time because both of his kids are like, screw your dad. We can do this better Yikes. than you at this point. <laughs> You're already like basically dead. Right. So, so we're going to do our own thing. Yeah. Bye. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like she's standing up to her dad. She's encouraging Edward to be his own man and to sort of grow into his kingship. She's stabbing Athelred metaphorically and the table literally like... You know, Lady of Mercia has established herself as a major player, and you just love to see it. Get ready to shame none, the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane, anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the episode. So, Alyssa, uh, so many choices. A lot I mean, of choices. Who's your pick? Okay, I'm going to go with the dynamic duo of this episode, Skate and Heston. Um Ugh. Like, yeah, there are people that are probably worse. Athelred and Alfred come to mind. But these two are just so gross together. Um, All their talk of, like, taking power from everybody with not-so-veiled sexual metaphors was just the worst to watch. And honestly, they just, they kind of deserve each other, you know? Like, they're both prone to exaggerating their own power and their influence, especially the influence they have of people with more power than them. And at the same time, they tend to let other people do their dirty work. So these are two peas in a rotten pod, and I'm ready for them both to go down. Yeah, if I could, like, not have another scene where they're kind of scheming over their, like, stew, uh, that would well, do my stomach so well. talking about how they're going to do each other, but neither of them are going to like it, but they're probably going to do it anyway. And I'm just like, oh, God, I'm over it. I'm over not it. Not over my soup skate. Uh. <laughs> Um, well, okay, I think I'm going to pour a glass of Haterade in Ethelred's honor this episode. A worthy choice. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Uh, he's the absolute worst. I mean, he plans to kill his wife, he moans when she shows up alive with her side piece in tow, you know, he throws an impromptu witten to accuse Uhtred of being a spy, 
Um, he's a shitbag to Ethelflaed. Yeah. He, but he's also just so terrified her, of her at the same time. So it's like, I, love I can't it. even respect the evil, you know, plotting that he's doing because he's just, you know, such a spineless worm. And he's still about that hawk life. Mm. <laughs> I'm really tired of seeing that, like, that hawk he's, yeah. <laughs> up, like, on his shoulder. It's so annoying. I mean, I guess, like, he's consistent. Like, I think he's, his, overco- like, he's overcompensating. Like, that hawk is a metaphor. I guess I don't want to dig into it, uh. but you're probably right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the only nice thing I'll ever say about this dude is that he's consistently a piece of shit. Right, so. and he has great cheekbones, but everything else is pretty terrible. He's got pretty curls. Mm. But he's the worst. But those curls hide his evil. Curls of evil! <laughs> That's why his hair is so big. <laughs> exactly. It's full of secrets. Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2019, the world is on fire, and honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this episode. I'm just going to say it, season three, not very horny. Not the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't count in this, this. regard. In this regard. For any of, like, your, your like, spank bank stock, uh, you know, because there's nothing here. Um, there's some breath-holding moments, you know, like in the stable between Ethelflaed and Uhtred. Uh, no bodice ripping, though, in this episode. Like, I get it. You know, war's happening. Mm. We got to get serious. Not the ideal time to get it on. So I guess we're just going to have to be content with Finnan, who always provides a bit of sass. Yes, love it. Um, love when he kind of bow- bows up to Stiapa and, um, you know, makes a joke about his weaponry. Like, normally, like, a dude, like, equating his genitals to some form of weapon is, like, not a turn on. But, but if you do it in an Irish accent, I can get past that. Anything can be. Right. Yeah. And take out your cock. And if you mistake it for a weapon, what then? If you say anything in a cocky Irish accent, I'll appreciate it. Yeah. So I think I feel like we should clarify, though, because I feel like Finnan has been like a recurring shout out in these segments. That's He's been our only hope. Fair. <laughs> We're, yeah, that's fair. I think we should clarify that, you know, the actor who plays Finnan, Mark Rowley, is lovely and talented and he brings it every episode. The show's very lucky to have him. And I'm done now, so we can objectify <laughs> and appreciate talent because we're women and we're multitaskers. There you go. So there you go. There you go. You add a little a little feminist twist to our thirst. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We could be respectful and thirsty at the same time. 100%. Okay, so I was raised on a steady diet of period dramas. So the longing glances and almost kisses and repressed emotions is coded into my romance DNA. Mm. Um, in your veins. In, it, in my I veins. Like, that is the shit that I do like. Um, so is it bad that I've, like, pretty quickly moved on from Eric and Gisela to be pretty fully aboard the Athelflaed and Uhtred train? Because I am. I think that's totally fine. This is medieval times. Right. This is how you live. Go with it. Yeah. Like, I had some trouble getting past the age difference because she was a literal child when they met, but I'm over it. Don't think about that. Right. It's fine. (laughs) It's in the past. Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. They're both adults. And dare I say I ship it? Mmm. Kind of. I think so. 
I mean, what else do we have at the moment? I know. We've got to have something. Right. But, like... Don't make us feel bad about this. Yeah. <laughs> I need a little bit of romance. I just do. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think Eric and Gisela would totally understand. They'd want us all to be happy. Yes, all of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. All right, guys. I think it's safe to say that we've never been accused of being unenthusiastic in our fandom. We annoy our friends, our family, and now you are devoted listeners. Welcome to Geek Out, where we will offer up our humble suggestions about what we think you should be watching and reading. So, okay, so it's time. This one is more of we got to talk about it than a full-throated suggestion of what people should be watching. Although I will say, <laughs> I liked this movie. I did. Okay, thank you. Yes, agreed. I mean, okay, first I think of all, we can address the bad things, but I did like it. Right. Okay, so we're talking about Last Christmas. The new sort of rom-com. It's being marketed as a rom-com, but I probably wouldn't classify it as one. Yeah. Um, starring Amelia Clark, who is delightful, and Henry Golding, who is also delightful. Ugh, like it's, And delightful to look at. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things that I think, yes, this script had some problems and the twist was weird, but, like... I could watch these two charming motherfuckers dance around London <laughs> for hours. So I'm not going to complain if it's not an Oscar worthy film. I had a good time. Look, I didn't go into the theater thinking that this was going to like, you know, blow my socks right. off. You it's know what I mean? Christmas like I knew welcome. what it was. I want to be Come cozy. On. I want to cry a little bit. I want to be uplifted. And it did that. Yeah, I think it hit all the marks. I think... It's it's kind of clunky and um, but I do want to talk weird about choices. <laughs> yes, I do want to talk about the twist though, because okay, so if you haven't seen Last Christmas and you don't want to be spoiled, even though the trailer basically gives it away, turn it off I now. Mean, Thank you for listening. But <sighs> um, so he's dead and sure. is her heart donor. Yes, which, but they hello. never really clarify: is he a ghost? Is he a guardian angel? Is he is a she figment? insane? Right. Is she, like, losing her mind and this is, like, a Tyler Jordan situation? Like, they didn't clarify, and that's fine, but it's going to bother me for a while. Look, this film would have been infinitely more interesting if it had been Fight Club, but Christmas. Yes. (laughs) Like, if she was in a Tyler Jordan situation and, like, the whole movie, it was, like, fuzzy and happy, and then the last third, we kind of just went to this dark place of, like, she's, like, talking to herself and imagining things. You know, we kind of had that moment where we, like, see scenes. But we don't dive into it. Right. We just kind of, like, see scenes for, like, how they really happen, and she's by herself, but it's never really explained, like... Like, is she losing her mind? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and it's so know. it's so weird because they're so cutesy about it. Like, it's just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. She was skating by herself. She was on a park bench or whatever. And it's right. like, what? What <laughs> like, that's is going on? Like, this woman needs help. Like, I know. Mental help. I know. And um, so, like, yeah. and it's that was an interesting choice. And I always kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a cheese ball. And I always kind of like those movies where it's like her true romance was with herself and she had to figure out her own sure. business. I that is a trope that I like like. I will say, though, I think the use of homeless people to teach her a lesson made me a little uncomfortable. Agreed. I mean, it's just <sighs> like, yes, like get her out there, like doing good in her community but i don't know like it they felt i don't know they felt more like 
lessons to be learned than actual mm-hmm, than actual people, people. exactly yeah. and so that was that's been done good enough look. yeah i don't think we need to keep doing that i think like and i will say like obviously this comes from um a good place and i don't think yeah. that any of the it's bad emma decisions thompson, were meant it's, it's emma thompson and paul feig i trust them yeah totally 100 percent trust them with my lives um <laughs> And you know what? They made the the perfect casting choice putting Amelia Clark in this because I'd watch her in anything. Oh, and like after she's had her do all the drama of Game of Thrones, I was so happy to see her like having Just fun and laughing and having a great time. So like she may not have been properly served by this material, but she killed it. So yes, and I hope she did have fun getting in that elf costume and filming the shit out of this thing because yeah. she deserves it. And yeah. So, yeah, I just feel like go into it kind of go into it like realistically. Don't know that it's not basic- everything has to be an Oscar, you know, worthy film. Like right. we can just enjoy things again. Just, just enjoy, enjoy things. And it's basically a Hallmark movie with a great cast and a big budget. But like, it's fine. You'll get to listen to George Michael, who's always delightful to listen mm. to. Love the and music. You'll walk out uplifted. So, you know what? If you have moderate expectations. You'll have a good time. You'll be happy. <laughs> There's the tagline for this movie. Right. Temper your expectations and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's with this movie and that's with life, honestly. So, so true. Go see Last Christmas if you want to watch cute. a like, fun new Christmas it's movie. Cute. I liked cute. it. I will not be shamed by film Twitter. I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, yeah, I think we're done. I think we've <laughs> set our piece. Yes. Film Twitter knows how we feel about this. Right, right. And we, we've done our duty. Yes. All right, guys, if you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a nice review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, destiny is all bitches.